lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to the final new show of 2021. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all of you. It is part due of our year in review special, the two-hour Dace Group 2021 retrospective, which is why you're seeing me in something that looks halfway presentable. Uh, Same with Todd, that thing around his neck. That's Todd Erzin, folks, in case you needed to be reintroduced. That is not an unseemly, unkept beard. That's actually a tie. Just to show you how special of an occasion this is, our very own Aaron McIntyre as well. And we have a special guest with us here in studio. The man, the myth, the liberal. Paul Alexander is here with us for the second year in a row. We got so much hate mail that we enjoyed from having you on the year-end roundtable last year. Paul, we're like, let's do this again. I love it. And then you were like, let's up the ante by having me come in studio, right? Yep. So uh, we took you out to a nice steak dinner last night to butter you up for the feedback that will uh, come henceforth here after your answers the next two hours, right? I'm all for it. But he is all for it. Paul is the former communications director for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign. He joins us here as essentially our one liberal friend, Token. He's our, in fact, your your nickname, whenever you call or contact us, we're like, hey, Ghetto Pass needs something. <laughs> that doesn't just happen. I just made that up. But it's totally believable, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it definitely. Is. It, indeed. And then there is our friend Rachel Semmel as well. She is joining us via remote from the Center for Renewing America. Rachel, good to see you. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the invite in studio. Glad I, you know, my invitation must be lost in the mail. Well, we didn't want to like put an undue burden on you by asking you to travel like halfway across the country to come here, Paul. Don't Paul used his own free frequent flyer miles to come here? Correct. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like we shelled out any kind of an expense. Trust me. If we had a budget for that, we'd have paid for you and not him. You're one of us. <laughs> wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> And a merry friggin' Christmas there, Paul. All right, we're going to go there, huh? Yes. All right. And there's no doubt she would think much, much less of us if she actually spent more than two hours from a safe distance from us. So why don't we just Yeah, we're far less impressive in person. You just need to know that, yes. So folks, let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for places that don't censor us on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. You can get clips of the show that also are uncensored and free to watch at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. And I should mention this because I'll be gone for the next few weeks and won't get a chance to. There is still an opportunity for you to get a copy of my new book, Do What You Believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer if you would like uh, for you or anyone you know, just in time for Christmas, available at amazon.com right now. I want to thank Glenn Beck for having me on this morning to discuss the book. Also want to make sure that you know about our friends at Omega XL because This time of year, you can run into a lot of things that are a pain, and you don't want to run into that chronic pain that can seep into one of the 360 places between the top of your neck and the bottom of your feet that we call joints. Especially as we get older, even getting more active and healthier can lead to more chronic pain because, you know, you can lose weight, you can look better, feel better. Your joints don't get any younger, though. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory And you're looking for one that is backed by over 30 years of clinical research in the last couple of years of me using it on a regular basis. It's called Omega XL 
to attack the chronic, the inflammation that is causing your chronic pain. And if you want to give it a shot right now, buy one bottle, get a second one for free. When you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. And now that we are bathed, dressed somewhat presentable and prepared, you guys ready to go? Go. Let's do this. It is time one more time in 2021 for the Dace Group. And once more, we remind you that the music is familiar, the logo, the format, everything is familiar because we completely ripped it off from the McLaughlin Group on PBS. But since it's a public subsidy and John McLaughlin is dead now, we're pretty sure it's okay. So let us begin. First issue, and I'll begin. Biggest winner of the year. And I'm going to set the tone, for me anyway, right away for the kind of answers you may see from me the majority of this episode. For me, the big winner is Big Pharma. It became the most powerful and threatening uh, entity in the world in 2021, taking control of, let's just see, public policy, sports, media, healthcare, pop culture, bodily autonomy. Did I leave anything out? Pretty much everything. It, it took control of pretty much everything, ushering widespread, ushering in widespread proto-fascism uh, throughout Western civilization in the process which you could then argue maybe in the next category, we were the biggest losers. But my biggest winner of the year is Big Pharma. Rachel, your turn. I was going to say Moderna because it's pretty nice to have a, a company that's you know worth $7 billion and 18 months later, it's now worth $100 billion, a thousand percent stock increase. So 100%, it's got to be these pharmaceutical companies that have received government funds to basically take over our lives. Paul, your biggest winner. The biggest winner of 2021 has to be Senator Joe Manchin. He is now the single most powerful legislator in all of the federal government. Anything and everything that Joe Biden wants to get passed hinges on Joe Manchin. And unlike Kirsten Sinema, who has to worry about being primaried from the left, Senator Manchin does not have to worry about in West Virginia. He is emboldened to stand his ground and force the party back to the center. So that type of leverage undoubtedly makes Joe Manchin the big winner of 2021. That's a good answer. Todd? I'm a little choked up right now. Steve, Rachel, as the anti-vaxxer in the group, I could have hardly imagined <laughs> the level of this that we're just experiencing right now. It is clearly Lord Pfizer, king of all the land. Are you not entertained? Thank you. Aaron, biggest winner. Um, I'm actually going Christopher Rufo with uh, Manhattan. I'm actually going positive for my biggest winner of the year, Christopher nice. Rufo of Manhattan Institute, uh, just taking it to the critical racist theory all over the country uh, and getting some good scalps and getting some good results uh, in the process. So he's my biggest winner of the year. All right, let's go to biggest loser. Paul, we'll start with you. Biggest loser of 21. My first instinct was Kamala Harris. Then it was the Cuomo brothers. You were correct. Let's move on. to. T I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Then my friend who runs the podcast division of The Atlantic said I should choose Urban Meyer to score points with you. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I love that about you. Thank you. Ultimately, yes. all of their problems seem to pale in comparison to the women of Afghanistan. 
Thanks to our mm. disastrous exit from that country and subsequent fall of the Afghan government, women can no longer go to work. They can no longer travel in public without a male guardian. Girls over the age of 12 can no longer go to school. Violence against women is on the rise under the Taliban. And uh, everything else seems to pale in comparison to this new reality faced by the women of Afghanistan. Mm, that's poignant. And good luck segueing to that. And Todd, I like you least right now, so I'm going to go to you. Go ahead. You follow uh, that up. It's uh, Ashley Babbitt. She was murdered by an officer of the state, and that is being covered up now by a series of lies that are beginning to rival uh, Jesse Smollett's alibi. So, suck to be her. All right. Rachel. Yeah, I think a lot of elderly people that have been in these uh, retirement homes uh, locked up, not being able to see their family, many of whom have had COVID and still have been locked up. And I know we all know people who haven't been around their loved ones at some of the hardest times in our lives, especially end of life. And so I just could not get out of my head every time I hear a story of somebody, thankfully nobody in my family, but somebody who has an elderly person in an old old folks home. Mm -hmm. It absolutely horrific uh, end of life for a lot of these people. Amen. Aaron. Uh, Everybody who honestly thought that taking the vaccine to save their job or whatever would get things back to normal. That's the biggest loser of the year. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I went with the fall of the House of Cuomo, and I had that already written down before you used it yesterday, Aaron, in the show. So great minds think alike. But, I mean, this is an ending in shame and scandal. One of the last family political dynasties or anything thereabout that we are capable of producing in our country that was left in the country. And I think the fallout of this will still be felt in 2022 um, because I don't think Chris or Andrew are likely to go away quietly. I mean, Chris is already talking about a lawsuit. Now they're going to try to recover $5 million from Andrew Cuomo. I'm guessing he's just not going to just roll over and say, hand me a pen and I'll write you a check, right? And we were commiserating on the show yesterday, Paul. Is this one of the most sudden and stark political implosions of an established brand we have like ever seen in modern times. Yeah, it would have to be. Rachel, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to talk about them later, but... <laughs> All right, then don't spoil it. Don't yeah, spoil I, it. We'll save your answer. All right, that's good. I'll come back to yeah, you then yeah. for, for best politician, Rachel, in 2021. Who was it? <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all going to probably have a a similar thought here. I think you can't even hold a candle to what DeSantis is doing. I know we talk about it all the time, but instincts are right on everything. uh, And he takes it far enough to actually be aggressive and not just a talking point like we see other governors do. So he's my number one. Aaron, agree, disagree, you have your own? I I knew everybody was probably wanting to to pick Ron DeSantis. So I'm going with Kirsten Sinema and I'm uh, awarding her the... uh, uh, Neville Longbottom Award for standing up to her own friends. I mean, that's really hard to do. <laughs> nice. Todd? Domestic terrorists, also known as mom and dads at school board meetings. Mm, good answer. Paul? Yeah, there's definitely a strong case to be made for Ron DeSantis, but considering how Virginia was a, a safely blue state for the better part of the last decade, and Joe Biden won it just a year ago by 10 points, I'm mm-hmm. going to have to give it to Glenn Youngkin, who ran a very disciplined campaign, stayed on message, and uh, flipped that state. Good answer. I also, though, went with Rachel. I, I think it's DeSantis, and I think you're talking about a state that for 40 years, the average presidential election margin of victory was two and a half points. The most expensive, notorious swing state in the union. It turned the phrase hanging Chad into a a part of our vernacular. And yet he has managed without even completing a term. A guy that only won his race by like 50,000 votes in a state of 21 million people. He has turned that from a swing state into a red state. 
And he has done it by essentially establishing the most hard right position possible within um, reality on every single issue. So I'm, I'm with Rachel on that. What was the most defining political moment of the year? Paul, I'll go to you first this time. All right. Well, I had a good run. I'm afraid uh, it's going to end here. Uh, when I looked at this category, to me, I interpreted as 10, 20 years from now, what's going to be in the history books in terms of what defined this year. And I think it would have to be the January 6th Capitol siege. Um, you know, for a moment, time stood still. I think it takes a lot to shock all of us these days. We've been fairly desensitized and uh, the nation was was in crisis mode for those few hours. So uh, that would be my answer, January 6th. Whatever the narrative turns out to be true around those events, I still think you could you could make the case that you just made. That, that the long-term ramifications of that will, will clearly be felt one way or the other. Yeah. Aaron. The pivot from Afghanistan to vaccine mandates. If there was any question whatsoever before that about what the Biden administration or uh, whoever's running the show over there, what, what their tact was going to be in not, uh, not governing but ruling, all, all, all things were answered in that pivot from one of the most disgusting moments in American history to we're going to vaccinate everything that moves or else. I think that's the most defining political moment. Mm. Todd? It's January 6th, and we just, we've just we just begun to sc uh, scratch the surface of that. You've seen several news shows just this week of uh, leftists talking about if the Republicans get Congress back, uh, we will never get democracy back again. They are, we, we, if you, whatever volume level you think it was at this year. Next year, it's going up to 11. Rachel. On a more positive note, and I know that Paul just mentioned the Yunkin, Virginia win, I honestly think that the seismic shift from a group of us as anti-establishment conservatives that have been screaming about cultural issues for several years finally caught wind, and we're not used to getting this many points on the board. <laughs> so this summer, when even Fox News and Senators like Mitch McConnell had to utter the word critical race theory. And we saw uh, the same parents in Virginia who had Black Lives or sorry, who had uh, Black Lives Matter uh, signs up in their yard, also had open schools and, you know, let us hold our kids accountable signs or teachers accountable signs in their yard. We knew that we finally won on something. And the first cultural win that I can remember in any recent part in time happened largely because of parents rising up this this summer. And I think that that's not only the defining moment for my small uh, world that I operate in politically, but I think for all of us, because we finally got the world to listen to something we've been screaming about for a very long time. We agree again, sister, I had the same answer as you. Uh, for all the reasons you gave. I mean, uh, essentially, Virginia, yes, Virginia became the symbol for much of the non-January 6th related political climate in the country. And that's a state that we, we've seen in the last quarter century go from reliably red to joining Ohio and Florida in that triumvirate of swing states to then in the Obama years, as Paul pointed out in the last decade here, becoming a, a fairly reliable blue state. And, and it became the symbol of everything that all the angst in the country that isn't necessarily related to January the 6th. So I agree wholeheartedly with Rachel on that one. I had the same answer. Who was the biggest traitor of the year, Aaron? Dan Crenshaw. I, I, the, the dude just, I mean, he's becoming, he's going on the David French list in my, in my mind. I mean, he can talk a good game and he tweets really nice tweets, uh, but the dude just stabs conservatives in the back year after year after year. 
um, and uh, month after month. So it's got to be Dan Crenshaw to me. Cool so patch, I, bro. It is a cool patch. I have noticed the angst level with him has skyrocketed, and I will confess I have not really truly investigated it because I'm somewhat preoccupied by other matters at the moment. But but I plan on trying to figure out what con- connects some of the dots that you are referring to because, man, there there is a sizable contingent of people in my Twitter feed you know, that, that he is persona non grata. You are definitely touching on something with that. Todd. The answer is obviously David French. Nobody else should answer this question. And henceforth, we should call this the David French Award. Rachel, who was the biggest trader of 2021? Yeah, I, I would agree with this becoming the David French Award. I have to say LeBron James, because not only has he been wrong and sided with the left on any domestic issue we have facing our own country, obviously we saw Rittenhouse recently, but the fact that this guy is in bed with China, I mean, he's he's you, you expect your sports to transcend politics, which we, we realized in the last four or five years that hasn't. Mm-hmm. But to me, you're an extra level of trader if you are a sports uh, figure that should be an icon and have people look up to you. And you're, you know, letting slaves make your shoes that you're trying to sell to 13 year olds. I'm going to go with um, the mainstream healthcare system and what transpired this year, uh, deciding to follow without any skepticism or scrutiny at all, uh, corrupt, politicized CDC guidelines, uh, becoming a construct for big pharma, uh, den- uh, refusal even to the point of forcing court orders to administer uh, early treatments to patients, um, playing which to me I, I just played a direct role in the killing of how many thousands, uh, attempting to impose this on their own employees. You know, last year when, when hospitals were so overrun, the nurses were making TikTok videos around the country, we were told that these were unassailable heroes and that they can't possibly be questioned and we should all shut down our lives to make their lives easier. And now this year, many of those same people aren't heroes anymore, but zeros, and it's okay to fire them or lay them off uh, without pay and, and give them uh, indeterminate leave. Uh, now they're lepers. And, and to me, just the corruption of the entire mainstream healthcare system. Is that bad? This year. Is bad, yeah. and bad. and that to me is the biggest traitor of 2021. Paul, I give you the last word on this category. Yeah, that that is a very compelling answer that I hadn't thought of. For me, it was a toss up. You know, I think the U.S. government or the Pentagon stranding our soldiers and yeah. allies in Afghanistan. Yep. There's a good case to be made there. However, because I can potentially chalk that up to incompetence. I'm going to have to go with the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th because their intent was to overturn an election and overthrow our democracy. So to me, they're the biggest traitors of the year. You, you really believe the second point. I'll even grant you the first point. I mean, they, didn't, they weren't rallying there to wish Donald Trump off, okay? Yeah. So I, I will even grant you the first point that, okay. that they would have been okay if that was the first point was the desired outcome of what they had done. Yeah. Now, they wouldn't define it as overturning an election. They mm-hmm. would define it as writing an election that was, they believe was stolen, sure. okay? But do you, with everything that, because I know you watch and listen to our show regularly, sure. do you still think that that second bullet point is still as apropos as maybe you thought it was the first week of January. Maybe not. That's fair. But what is what is the end result of overturning an election? Well, it depends on whether it was a valid election or not. I suppose that's okay? true. Because to me, that's what the real debate is. If it was a valid election, then I agree with you. You should take the L and this is an active insurrection. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't a valid election, well, then then we are having an argument about what how far are you able to go in order to... to 
to to uh, you know achieve justice mm-hmm. or or you know reconciliation in in that in that regard. Yeah. And that's that's really what it comes. The, the, the real argument is: do the, do you think it was a valid election or not? Mm-hmm. And and that's what the with the actions of some people have, and then the the response that, to that has sort of sh- has sort of overshadowed that entire conversation about whether or not it was a legitimate election or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. Let's go to most boring, Rachel. I'll start with you. Yeah, along the lines of January 6th, which I I feel like I'll have a lot to say about today, is the boring argument of criminal justice reform. It's so yawning to me when Mm. any group, conservative, left, middle, vegetable, says, you know what, we need to work on (laughs) criminal justice reform. And we see Waukesha and we see what's happening to these January 6th political prisoners being completely abused in prison. And not a single one of these boring cut, copy, repeat copy, paste, and repeat groups who focus on criminal justice reform actually decide they want to focus on it when it's a huge issue. Todd? Variants slash Omicron. I am that gif of Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark just going, it's just, we we know what these do based on basic science. These are not new things, yet they've been acting like this is brand new to this virus, that they're all monsters in the closet, that you have no idea what they're going to do. Boogity, boogity, boogity. It's, it's so tedious. <laughs> do that again. And Aaron, no. make sure we're recording no. that. Once, That'll be a drop only. later. Okay. No. All right. Paul? Don't do, I don't do second takes. <laughs> Paul, go ahead. In any good television series, there's an expectation that the characters will evolve and grow and learn from their experiences Donald Trump has not changed or learned from anything in the slightest. So he is my pick for the most boring person in America. <laughs> that could maybe be the meanest thing if you if anybody Rachel knows him a lot better than I do. But if you've ever spent 10 minutes with Donald Trump, he'll fight you over that. You can call him anything you want, man, and literally anything. But you want to call the dude boring and he's going to ask he's probably going to ask you out back for that. That's okay. such a great you know, I, I, I watched his CPAC speech, first time he had spoken to a large audience in several months. The talking points were the same. It was all about yeah. petty personal grievances. Nothing changes. He is, he is the same person he was five years ago, despite having served in the highest office in the country. It's just boring. Now, there's a segment of our audience that thinks that's actually a fairly endearing quality, actually. <laughs> All right. What do you think, Aaron? Most boring for you? Fox News outside of Tucker Carlson, specifically Fox and Friends. Ben and I, when I you know, feed him and get re- getting him ready in the morning, sometimes I'll flip that on just to see what the Fox crowd is saying. My gosh, I would rather watch Joe and Mika on MSNBC. Oh, come on, man. Is it that bad? <laughs> yes. Yes. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. It's like freaking hospice uh, for uh, whatever your political leanings are. Whereas MSNBC and CNN, you know what? They're just a firing squad, but it's just like, shh, shh, shh it's okay. It's okay. Take the vaccine. Do this. It's, a, it's, it's televised euthanasia? Is that yep. what you're saying it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my most boring uh, is anything involving Brian Stelter and Joy Reid from the right. I just, I just find frivolously dumb, particularly in the Stelter front. Um, Reed is establishing a new realm. We were talking about this at dinner last night. I mean, Reed is establishing a new layer of crazy. Like she has broken through the 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 Maxine Waters nebula into a different transcendent dimension plane of existence of of nutbag we had previously not known was available for public consumption. So 
Uh, I may have to amend this answer and exclude her and just go with the Stelter stuff. The, the Stelter stuff to me, I, I just find it boring and contrived clickbait from the right. Uh, I also think it's a useless distraction for a lot of the platforms on our side that are that this is like a fetish for them. OK, um, you know, and it just distracts from us tackling issues of substance and winning actual arguments on policy that might change people's lives. That to me is most boring. I am the Robert Downey gif on all the Brian Stelter stuff. I just I, I you know, I, every time and even even what comes from my own platform here, I feel like every time I see it, I want to tweet that gif with the 20th Century Fox logo that says, no one cares. You know what I'm saying? No one cares. The Stelter stuff to me is absolutely the most boring. All right, most charismatic. I'll start this one. I'm going to go with Joe Rogan. Uh, I thought that he used kind of his zero Fs given bro dude charisma slash fearlessness to become arguably the most influential media figure in the country in 2021. Uh, and, and I think you can also chalk it up to the fact that he does it while reaching an audience that frankly, neither the audiences of CNN and MSNBC and Fox are able to reach on a regular basis. He is, he's penetrating a different layer of culture there from a critical thinking standpoint. And I think that's why he has become the other, that's he, he's become the regime's Brian Stelter. They just can't stop tweeting about him. They, they literally root against him recovering from COVID. They're obsessed because they know that, that he is reaching a group of people that have kind of, kind of fallen through the media cracks of, of consumption with a level of critical thinking and engagement that is far, far more dangerous, frankly, than most of the non-Tucker programming that airs every day on Fox News. Todd, your choice. This is where I parked Ron DeSantis. Uh, after we, we had high hopes for him at this time last year, but after seeing him for another year, it, it, it's not an act. There's authenticity to this, and that's what gives me hopes for in the long term, why I want to see him in a debate. He's just got that whole attitude of Bill Murray from Groundhog Day. I'm not playing by their rules anymore, and I love it. Paul. Yeah, I struggled with this one, to be honest, because there aren't many figures who – just have that cool factor and and it's not politicized there are no mm -hmm. bill clintons anymore where even if you didn't agree with him you still thought mm -hmm. that guy's smooth mm -hmm. and it's a diminishing pool in in hollywood and sports as well because everything's come politicized so Woke wokeness does that to people uh, yeah uh so i guess one of the few people remaining that uh, i think rises above that I, I went with dwayne the rock johnson i could see that yeah for sure although he is coming close at times <laughs> to crossing the lebron james line someone may want to reach him on that. Okay. That it's okay to have a 75% approval rating. You know, you're not a better person by making it 55% of your line of work. You know what I'm saying? Aaron, go ahead. Nicki Minaj might have been one shining moment, but I promise you people in the White House, people in Big Pharma, uh, Pharma are a heck of a lot more afraid of her yeah. than they are of somebody like Peter McCullough. I, I, because of the same reasons I just articulated yep. with, with Joe Rogan. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, you get the last word on this one, Rachel. What do you think? Yeah, our boy Chip Roy on the on the House yeah. side. We live in dark times. Republicans are in the minority, getting our, our rear ends kicked, if not by our own party, by the left. And Chip is uh, a, a shining light on the House side. He's energetic about everything. He's charismatic about everything. You guys know that he's a 10 on anything he does. And it just so happens that almost everything he does is a righteous issue. So I'm, I'm hoping this Energizer Bunny uh, doesn't get discouraged enough and just keeps going through 2022. I can speak... I think it's okay for me to say that because, you know, that's my man, okay? But I think I can speak f freely to tell you 
that he he was in danger of maybe suffering discouraging burnout and has figured out that he actually has an endless fuel supply, endless fuel cells titled and the horse you rode in on. Okay, that, that he has discovered that spite is a powerful uh, is a powerful tool to fuel your energy well, level. What's okay? Adam Sandler's name in The Water Boy? Isn't that basically he's gone Water Bobby Boy? Yes, yes, yes. He's gone Bobby Boucher. Bobby Boucher. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, the 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 there there's whatever whatever zero f's given. I mean, at this point, Chip isn't even spelling the f word out. He's stopping <laughs> at zero. Okay, so that's helping. All right, we'll get back to more of our year end roundtable here in a second. But let me remind you about home title theft. It is a increasingly common cyber crime because cyber thieves know that our home titles are kept online these days and so they go online looking for titles that uh, and homes that look like they might be high equity so they can then use a piece of identifiable information maybe just a middle name or something they got off of facebook or an elementary school that you would say hey that's my password question to identify as you make it look like now you have sold your home to them on what's called a quick claim deed and then they start taking out loans against your equity the Fed say it's one of the fastest growing cyber crimes in America. Make sure you protect yourself because neither your homeowner's insurance nor your mortgage lender will. But this is what Home Title Lock does. Find out if your home's already been tampered with. Get 30 free days of protection with the code RADIO. When you go to HomeTitleLock.com, the holidays are a vulnerable time where this is concerned. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. We will continue on with the year-end special two-hour edition of The Dace Group here next. So if you're stuck on what to give friends and family this year for Christmas, wish them a merry softness. And man, that's a cheesy line, which is why I have to say it. And a happy new rear uh, from our friends over at Tommy John. I'd never put that in the script, but I so appreciated the cheesiness of that. I'm like, that needs to be said out loud. All right. They, pre- they, they present the absolute most comfy underwear, loungewear, pajamas. It's, I wear a ton of their stuff to the point that even, if they gave me, even after they gave me free samples, I loved it so much. I've gone there repeatedly and purchased more out of my own pocket. It's fantastic stuff. They have a ladies line available as well. So whether you are male or female, and yes, we still believe in those two things here on this show. They've got fantastic undergarment products for you. The best underwear you've ever worn, guaranteed. And get 20% off your first order if you've never tried it right now. Right before the holidays is the perfect opportunity. 20% off when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Find out why they don't just have fans. They have fanatics at Tommy John. TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Again, that's TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right, we are back with our two-hour special year-end edition of the Dace Group. Rachel Semmel here with us from the Center for Renewing America. Paul Alexander, the former communications director for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign. Let's continue on with our categories, and we are now at the bummest rap. What was the bummest rap of 2021? And Paul, you're up first. 
My answer here is specifically directed at conservative media and its audience. You know, Steve, last year I shocked the world and severely strained our friendship by choosing Chris Wallace in this category. Oh my gosh. And now I've decided to up the ante. Not to mention your own sanity, but go ahead, yes. (laughs) Now I'm upping the ante and seeing just how much hate mail one person can get with my choice, none other than Jen Saki. Can we please oh stop acting as if she is this dangerous and malevolent Before you hit send woman? in that email, no, no, we cannot before you stop hit send acting in that like email, that. Remember, it's Christmas, guys. That's all I'm going to say. Before you hit send, just remember it's Christmas. All right, Paul, finish your <laughs> Look, point. she is the White House press secretary. It is literally in her job description to spin the best possible narrative for the Biden White House. But we're going to sit here and act as if, though, her stretching the truth is unique to this White House. Meanwhile, we just witnessed Sean Spike. Sarah Huckabee Sanders twist themselves into pretzels for God knows how long for Donald Trump. Okay, it makes the conservative movement look foolish turning her into your new boogeyman. So, in the immortal words of my spirit animal, dear family friend and your future 2024 Republican presidential nominee, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, I say unto you, just sit down and shut up. Oh, that's good. Rachel, you're up next. Go ahead. Okay, but, you know, I want Jen Psaki to stay there forever because I don't dislike her that because she lies from the podium. We expect that. We have a president that does that. It, it, you know, she works for him. That makes sense. But it's her condescension and how terrible she is at her job. I actually want her to stay there forever. I think she does him... I think she does him more harm than good. But uh, my bummest rap is going to be Rittenhouse. I think there's probably... Uh, no other young kid that could have endured what he did. We've talked about it on the show ad nauseum. I know you guys have, but boy, it's good to be on the other end of that verdict. I know I was with you guys on Mm -hmm. Rittenhouse Verdict Day, and it feels good now that we can say bummest rap, but that was in the past. Hmm. Uh, Hey, I want the audience to know, Paul was actually nodding his head in agreement with that. Yeah, that's a good choice. All right, right. so again, just before you hit send, (laughs) I didn't say it, and it's Christmas. I didn't say it, and it's Christmas. Todd, go ahead. Uh, I like those answers, even Paul's, which I vehemently disagree with. But it made I just me love laugh, the way he presented it with such 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 confidence. I my love that. answer, yes. this one is objectively, undeniably the correct answer and the only true answer to this. And this is the unvaccinated. I mean, come on, it's all it's all utter nonsense. Yeah, now I'm not. You know what? Now I'm wishing that was my answer. Yeah, I I agree with that. Aaron, Ivermectin, bummest trap of the year. Good Aaron, one. I have the exact same answer. Good answer. Oh, really? I do. The yeah. The 2015 Nobel Prize winner has literally healed, saved hundreds of thousands of people conservatively in this world in just the last few years. Okay? Merck, who won a Nobel Prize for this drug, put out a letter in February calling the drug dangerous as and, and shouldn't be used as a treatment Okay, for COVID-19. Um, yes, it's been repurposed for animals, but so have virtually every antibiotic we've created. Has, has done the exact same thing. It is meant for humans. It's not a horse dewormer, Terry Bradshaw, who clearly is evidence that CTE is a real thing, okay? <laughs> so I'm with Aaron on that. I, I, I went with ivermectin as the bummest rap. All right, what was the fairest rap, Aaron? I'll come back to you and see if we have the same answer on this one. Remdesivir. Oh, we don't have oh, okay. the same answer, but that's a good one. No, Remdesivir. Yeah. Uh, that's the fairest rap, and the rap on that is that uh, you know uh, your your kidneys are crying out in fear, as the song says. Do you fear Remdesivir? Uh, the fairest rap on that is that it, um, it it's a very very bad drug that makes people worse. Todd, 
This is where I parked the Cuomos, total scumbags, got what they deserve, and let it inspire you in the new year to go get more scumbags and give them what they deserve. <laughs> Rachel? Yeah, this is also where I have the Cuomos on my board. But I would give the caveat I would give the caveat that this isn't necessarily the fairest route because to be fair, he could have gone down for a million and a half things before this that were way right. worse. It just like so happened being that being a mass murderer, for example, of the elderly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So while it's the bummest rap, it's or the fairest rap, it also might be the bummest rap because it's the least terrible thing he did all year. Hmm. I like how she turned that around. Yes. That was pretty She's clever. Good. Yeah, she is. Uh, my fairest rap. I watched Insaki. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! Off the top, take throw. that, Alexander. <laughs> Aaron tries a mic drop, even though it's bolted in. I loved it. That's great. <laughs> my my fairest rap is the corporate media. Sadly, um, it has proven this year with metaphysical certitude, and and I don't like saying this, man. Okay, I mean uh, this is not. An area I, I spent a lot of years early in my career trying to develop relationships with some with with some of these people. A lot of them are major names. I think I've mentioned before. I mean, I Nia Henderson. I was a source of hers, and I mean now she sounds like um, you know uh, a smarter version of Joy Reid. And uh, it wasn't too long ago that the New York Times sent a reporter to my home and and spent a week with our family profiling me for a front page cover story. Um, I think of oh, Dave, who's uh, the White House reporter at the Washington Post, used to be with Slate. Now, I can't remember Dave's last name, but yeah, I know. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He's been a guest in my home. I mean, I've known him for years. I, mean, I, I had built a lot of relationships on that side um, because it, I knew they were against me, but they were professional and 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 if if I was a source, I could do my part to make sure our point of view was presented objectively and fairly. And I think we've just gone and transcended beyond any of those attempts at any of that kind of decorum now, um, any of that kind of fairness or accommodation whatsoever. And and as much as I hate to say it, I can't ignore the truth in front of me. We have we are firmly ensconced in enemy of the people territory here. Paul, I'll give you the last word on this one. Well, my hands are tied on bad-mouthing the Cuomos because among my circle and friends, I'm known as the third Cuomo brother. Uh, so I can't speak out against the family, unfortunately. Uh, so fairest rap here, I'm going to go with Rand Paul because I think he is both beloved and despised for the same basic reasons. He is a principled libertarian who is unafraid to stand his ground on nearly every issue. And he is always extremely well prepared and is both a worthy adversary and a great person to have on your team. So, fairest rep. Plus, he dares to bring back a tur the turtleneck with the sport coat look. He does that too. All right, let's go to the best comeback this year. Todd, I'll let you start. I'm echoing Rachel from a, a couple categories back. This is Kyle Rittenhouse for me. A total Lazarus moment in terms of uh, his uh, story arc. I mean, everybody tried to kill him, and here he is now in the last couple of weeks, you know, not only free, but, you know, having just making everybody choke it down, and it's beautiful. Aaron. Uh, best comeback. I'm not really sure if you can call this a comeback, but Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, um, I he has shown on a few issues, namely with the vaccine injured. Um, he's got eyes to see uh, and ears to hear, at least in, in some respects. So I'm not really sure what he's coming back from. Maybe just not really knowing who he was. But uh, I'd say it's Senator Ron Johnson. 
Paul, who made the best comeback this year? This was also my feel-good moment of the year. Phil Mickelson winning the PGA oh, Championship. That's a, good that's a good one. The oldest player to win a major in PGA history. Watching those swarms it was captivating. of people. It was, it, was the first, cap- it was the first sporting event we had with masses of people again yeah. in America. Yeah. Yeah. People's champion, Phil Mickelson. And I watched every minute of that, and it seems like it was 20 years ago, right? So thank you for that one. Rachel. Well, first of all, let me table set because I thought when we were talking about the best comeback, we were talking about the best insult because <laughs> that shows you well, where my th- mind is. This show is uh, okay is. with that with that interpretation as well. Yeah. So, yes. So, so, you all know that my love language is people that make fun of Mitch McConnell. Well, that and Taco Bell. But when <laughs> Tucker Carlson went on TV yesterday or last week and called Mitch McConnell the nastiest old woman in Washington, oh, that wow. not only made my week, that made my year. And that you may argue, well, Mitch McConnell didn't say anything, thus it couldn't be a comeback. However, Mitch McConnell's actions last week said a lot to us in the base. And the fact that Tucker just kind of laid bare how we all feel about Mitch McConnell was the best of the year. Tucker Carlson needs to be repealed, root and branch. Yes, I agree with you. I like Uh, your style, Rachel. I do like that too. My best comeback of the year, I went with common sense that I thought common sense actually made a bit of a comeback in 2021. Now, just give me a second here to explain myself because I know it yeah, appears you know on the you're surface. My side eye. Yes, I am. Okay, but I, I think we saw an emergence of something that we had wondered: Does this even exist anymore in the culture? And it, I think we have seen the emergence of critical thinking liberals. Now, I don't think there's a lot of them, but whether it's Dave Chappelle, whether it's Robert Malone, whether it's Martin Kulldorff, the guy sitting to your left. I was well. He's on the list. He's actually yeah. written on my sheet. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to give go to him last. But I mean, Martin Kulldorff is a socialist. He's been he get, he's been banned from Twitter how many times now? From you know, he's a Harvard socialist. He's been banned from Twitter how many times for calling BS on the COVID stand narrative? Okay, I like this. Answer. Andrew Sullivan, Bill Maher. These are all examples of people that are like, hey, you guys know reality exists still, right? Like you know, we we have a real world we have to live in here, right? We we. We, this isn't magical thinking land. You guys know that, right? And um, I, I the, remember the judge in the Rittenhouse case when, you know, I'm proud to be an American was his ring and everything else. And everybody had that guy pinged as, you know, uh, some guy that, uh, you know, was uh, took his wife to a, a rush room to listen to the late, great Rush Limbaugh for their honeymoon. Turns out he's actually a, a Democrat judge in that community, right? Uh, that I, I just think we have seen in a, in a, and I think it's it's a positive development because that layer of people may be the may be the last line of cartilage left that causes that that can maybe prevent this thing from going to some bone on bone level of friction if you know what I'm saying I do so that would be my answer for best comeback all right let's go to most original thinker and I'm going to start here because it follows up with the last category I'm actually going to go with Bill Maher for most original thinker. Now, I would love to jump in the DeLorean and go tell my 2004, 2010, 2014, hell, 2019 self that I was going to sit here on my show in the year-end days group and say this, okay? But it's what I believe is true, so here we go. I I look at what Bill Maher is kind of on a one-man mission uh, to try to bring the Democratic Party back into some form of the American mainstream and save it. Uh, from potential voter backlash of unprecedented proportions next year. I mean, I, I'm watching him, Rachel, for example. It, this is some of the stuff that when we started Conservative Review years ago, we were trying to have these conversations with the Republican Party. Like, 
Do you guys realize no one cares about being a corporatist whore, but they do care with the curriculum their kids are taught in school and whether the border is secure or not? Do you guys realize this, right? And and being corporatist whores is going to lose us every damn election and fulfill every Democratic commercial about us ever, right? He's trying to do that now on the Democratic side. He's like on a one-man fireside chat. Hey, you guys know all white people is racist is bad when 70% of the public is white, right? He literally said that on his show a few weeks ago. All right, so I'm going to give him my commendation for most original thinker this year. And Rachel, I'll go to you next. I love what James O'Keefe and Project Veritas are doing. I think the way that they've been doing this for a couple years now, obviously they uh, most recently are in the headlines for the, the Ashley Biden journal. But the reason I love them is because they weren't just like every other thinker on the right that was like, you know, what, we're going to try to set up a... Uh, an organization and send out some press releases. They found a creative way to fight like the left fights against us and they've had massively good results. And so I think he and everything that the whole team at Project Veritas is doing is is new and I love it. Okay, Todd? My answer is Bill Maher's brother from another mother. It's Dave Chappelle. His last two stand-up specials just absolutely nuked the transgender movement and uh, Jussie Smollett. I mean, he, he did that bit a early on and just called out just he said you guys all know this is a lie i mean he just refuses to play your games but uh, he, the guy lives like back in his hometown in ohio it's like a small town mm-hmm. he, he had a, a fantastic uh, interview with i think david letterman of all people but he was just like you know these are just you know decent people and we all will just want decent normal things in life and to get that back he goes out and uses Foul words and language just to break people out of their comfort zone and says, you know, you're all lying to yourself and I'm not standing for it. Paul? Yeah. uh, You know, for me, this is more most independent thinker and it's similar to uh, what both you and and Todd have said. A handful of people come to mind. It's Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, J.K. Rowling. You know, these are not conservative voices, Mm -hmm. but they have clearly thought through their positions to the point where they're not going to back down from any sort of public pressure or manufactured outrage. And um, I think that takes a lot of courage in today's day and age. Aaron? Uh, I'll say Aaron Rodgers for some of the same reasons. Um, If you would have had on your bingo card the things that he said in the critical thinking that he displayed in this uh, whole flap regarding his vaccination status and and things of that nature. Um, if you had that critical, that level of critical thinking on your bingo card coming from Aaron Rodgers, uh, congrats to you. I, I surely didn't see that coming, and I think um, I, I think that says a lot, at least a, a, about uh, where people are going to get their information. If Aaron Rodgers can come to those sorts of conclusions and stand up to the mob like that, and even call out the woke mob, I think there are a heck of a lot more people who are doing the same. All right, let's see if we can do. We got like literally forty-five seconds. Most stagnant thinker. Let's do it quickly. Anybody who is still watching Lindsey Graham and Sean Hannity to get to the bottom of nothing. All right, that's my choice. Uh, the return to normal American. You know how much that drives me nuts. Paul, guys, Sean Hannity is still doing monologues about Hillary Clinton's emails. He's been running the same show for five years. He has to be most stagnant thinker. I gotta, I gotta. Hey, man, when he's right, he's right about that. Aaron, Glenn Youngkin. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I'm going to say almost every single GOP governor, Eric Holcomb, specifically from Indiana, these guys want to keep talking about pocketbook issues, and they're letting the boat sail on what the federal government's doing and on cultural issues, and that's so 2008. All right, we'll come back. Hour two of our two-hour edition of the year-end days group is next. Stay tuned.
Back with hour two of part two of our special year-end edition, the perennial two-hour year-in-review Dace Group. We have with us Paul Alexander, former communications director for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign, Rachel Simmel, old friend of the show from the Center for Renewing America, and then there's just the three of us schmucks that you're already accustomed to. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can use it by emailing us, steve at stevedace.com. That is D-E-A-C-E. And and Paul, you should know we did receive, uh, we have received some instantaneous feedback uh, about your your appearance. Uh, Steve Cloberdance, I believe is his name, Cloberdance, K-L-O-B-E-R-D-A-N-Z. That, that, I don't want to make sure I'm mispronouncing it, okay? So I think it's Clober Dance, but his first name is Steve. Be- between the incessant advertising, the movie and book hustling, and your own personal pimping, you and your ilk are nothing more than controlled opposition whores, okay? And now you have this Paul Alexander on, so I know you are trolling us. My 2022 prediction for your show will be that it will be halted, canceled, no more kaput, and God willing, the entire blaze fiefdom crashes and burns. Steve Days, just another fart in the wind. But I love the fact that he closes it with good luck. Right? <laughs> so that way, you know, we end this thing on a positive note. Bless your heart. <laughs> Sincerely. Yes. yes. Thank you. Uh, Steve, we appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, and, a hap- and a Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. All right. Uh, next uh, part of the program is brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. And you know what? When we have an opportunity to do business with businesses that aren't trying to undermine our way of life, but actively support them, let's take full advantage. That's why our family recently made the switch uh, to Patriot Mobile. And yeah, there's five of us and we thought it would be a major hassle and we'd lose some, we didn't lose any coverage, wasn't a major hassle. Uh, and, and now we know that we're giving our money every month to a company that supports our values while getting the exact same coverage we were getting before from a company that did not. If you want to make the switch now, go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. You can get a free month of service now when you make that switch, when you go there at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Veterans and first responders, remember, they've got extra bonuses and discounts for you as a way of saying thank you for your service. Patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. All right, let's continue on with the year in review. Let's go with best photo op. And Rachel Semmel, you get to lead us off. Well, I ended up finding this funny because it was such a sad time. And ultimately, it was not a a, a funny moment. But you just had to laugh when President Biden, after being hidden during the Afghanistan debacle, goes up to Camp David and his team decides to stage what looks like a productive work uh, session in between his naps, fails to hide the the identities of those on the zoom probably exposing many cia agents and it was just one of those things where they couldn't even do that right yeah i forgot about that yeah we started doxing our cia assets yes yeah yeah can you does anybody know who is the who is it that that he keeps saying will get mad at him if he calls on the wrong reporters does anybody know who this is specifically he has said this numerous times this year well they'll get (laughs) mad at me if i don't call on the right people who is this? Who are these people? You're the president, dude. Probably Jill. Jill <laughs> nice. Exactly. Nice. Todd, go ahead. I'm taking a little, little liberty with this, but it's so instructive for who we all need to be. And just taking that risk and trusting that doing the right thing will pay off in the way when it's supposed to. It's Ivory Hacker. When she went oh, on yeah. when she went on camera. The Houston and, reporter. Yeah. And yeah. just said, you know the hell with this. 
I'm just telling the truth. The thing that they won't let me report. She got fired, and now she's a household name nationally doing important stories. It, all of us need some Irie Hecker in us in the coming year. Well said. Aaron? Uh, the best photo op was uh, D.A. Thomas Binger pointing an AR-15 at the jury in Kenosha with his finger on the trigger. If that's not a metaphor for, well, something, a lot of things maybe, uh, I don't know what is. Mm. Paul? The complete lack of self-awareness that was required for AOC to think her tax the rich dress photo op at the Met Gala was a good idea. (laughs) That has to get the nod. Just when you think you can hate him for good, he He pulls you back in, guys. And it was made worse because other photos showed the mostly minority service staff all forced to wear masks while the rich elites didn't have to abide by the same rules. Yeah, dude. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah, you crushed that one. I'm going to go all the way back to late January when the CDC put out that map of where it was safe to go to schools and that the only place it was safe to fully be in person with extracurricular activities was none other than International Falls, Minnesota in the dead of winter. All right. And that map so angered so many people. It did more. That map probably as a photo op did more. Um, inadvertently to advance opposition to COVID stand than anything we have attempted to say or stage on this show for the last year and a half. And so even though it was not the outcome that uh, Rochelle and uh, and Uncle Joe and the team over there was was hoping for, it was the outcome that we were hoping for. So I would give it the award for the best photo op. For enough already what you are sick of, I'm going to go with big tech fact checkers. Uh, absolutely soulless pig vomit, knuckle dragging, pond scum, ball sweat. Todd, your thoughts? This this could be such a long list. Yes, I'm going with masks. Good grief. Amen S- to that. Stop the nonsense. Yes, Paul. I assumed everyone on this panel was going to be COVID related for this category. So for me, wanting to offer some diversity on this panel because we're all about that. Exactly. Yes. You know, aside from let's go, Brandon, no longer being funny. I'll uh, I'll, I'll pump the brakes. Too what what did I wear to dinner last night? By the way, <laughs> let's go, Brandon sweatshirt. You're you're, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm going to go with the vile and relentless attacks against Senator Kirsten Cinema from the progressive left. Aside from the obvious media smear campaigns and the person who, the activist who chased her into a bathroom stall and harassed her, I'm on the uh, Bernie Sanders pack mailing list. And here, here are a few ways that they've characterized her throughout the year. Kirsten Cinema is a puppet for blood money, is choking the life out of our democracy, <laughs> is defending Great. racism and empowering authoritarianism. And finally, my favorite, help us make Kirsten Cinema's life unpleasant. Wow. You, you knew you did some damage to yourself with that Saki thing, so you you knew you had to rally after that. You've made a comeback two answers in a row. This is solid stuff. Did they mention she's a smoke show with an incredible sense of style? Was that in any of their... No. Because that would have been an email alert that I would have said. They criticized her okay. ring that said F off. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, isn't she like the first queer senator since Lindsey Graham? <laughs> trans. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, trans. Uh, but anyway, Aaron, you're, you're just, your choice here. Go ahead. Uh, Let's see. Enough already. Oh, the uh, line of thinking that uh, we're living in a post-Trump world. Maybe that should have been my most stagnant thinker of the uh, uh, of the year so far. Uh, This this thinking and it is rife. It is rife among many uh, areas on the right that, hey, we're just moving on from Trump now. Mm, No, as long as I think he's alive, really, he's going to be some sort of a factor. All right. Rachel, you get the last word on this one. Yeah, I think. um (laughs) 
Um, okay, which one are we on right now? Uh, I, was, I was so entranced. I was so already. entranced with Aaron's <laughs> answer. I forgot what my she answer She could not was. believe I said um, that about Kirsten Cinnamon. Oh, it's totally thrown her off. Go ahead, Rachel. Yes. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Aaron talked about this a little bit up top when he was talking about the Fox folks. I am. I thought after Trump, Fox would go back to programming that was at least somewhat respectable that their base would want to watch. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, like Aaron was saying, it is it's all old bushies and i'm sick of the number one you know tv sh- uh, station in uh, american viewers watching the same old talking points and i'm s- sick of people that were making terrible decisions in 2004 telling me how i should feel about covid so i'm with aaron on fox being a disaster uh, and i'm sick of it all right todd we go to you what was the worst lie uh you have to be vaccinated so my vaccine will work mm. there's been a lot of lies but that one is right there Paul, worst lie. All the goodwill I just earned back from my previous two answers is about to evaporate. Uh, And I'll say this with some nuance, but for me, it's that mass voter fraud stole the election from Donald Trump. And I want to say I am open to the arguments that Democrats exploited COVID to stack the deck and get an unfair advantage. But in terms of mass voter fraud and fraudulent ballots and, and the whole nine yards over there, I just believe that's the worst lie. And I'll say one more caveat. I, I did just purchase Molly Hemingway's new book, Rigs. She's someone I respect a lot as an investigative journalist. I'm going to read it over the break. Maybe my opinion will shift slightly. Uh, but at the present time, mass voter fraud would be my worst lie of the year. Okay. Aaron? Uh, the va- I'm sorry. The therapeutic, the COVID therapeutic prevents transmission. Because that, they were saying that yes. before they weren't. And now that they're saying it, now now that the experts are admitting this, now Twitter wants to say, you can't say it. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Rachel, what was the worst lie of the year? Paul, I wish you would have been in Philly with me when night after night we saw people with backpacks stuffed with ballots coming in and we were just watching it. Uh, I'll have to invite you uh, uh, with me to 2022. I look okay, to I completely agree. Pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's fundamentally changed how our friends view us. It's fundamentally changed how our family views us if they disagree. It's been the biggest shift in the spirit of the age and how it's classified people. I can't imagine something that's been a bigger lie than that. I think actually I went with January 6th, actually, the insurrection narrative, based on what I am saying. I, I'm, I'm still open to the idea that it was some form of a riot. But the idea that this was an insurrection, I think by the time we get to the this time next year, we're going to see that this was more an attempt to entrap people that were already worked into a frenzy, into helping to further along a political narrative, along the same lines of everything else we've seen from Jesse Smollett to, to early treatments to Brett Kavanaugh, just substitute Russian collusion, substitute names. When we're sitting here next year, all right, I'm gonna and I'm gonna predict you're gonna actually somewhat agree with that. Okay. Based on the based on what I'm seeing, that you're at least agree that at the very least what we thought that event was on on, on the seventh of January isn't quite the entire story. All right, let's go to Destin for political stardom. Aaron. Janice McGeechan, Lieutenant Governor of Idaho, because... Did Daniel give you this answer? Uh, yeah. I, every, you know this is his man Every crush. time, every time Brad Little, I believe is the governor's name, every time he sets an eyelash outside of the state of Idaho, uh, Janice is like, uh, it's, uh, it's go time. It's party time. And I dig that about her. <laughs> All right, Rachel, Destin for political stardom. Who is it? Yeah, I like that one. I also think Marjorie Taylor Greene has been a fighter on the issues that a lot of people aren't going to be talking about, like what's happening at the D.C. jail. So she's going to she's not going anywhere. And I'm glad she's sticking around and fighting the way she is on Capitol Hill. I think she'll be a key player in the upcoming election cycles, too. Todd. 
uh, he's going to have to want to, but after having him on our show, I'm echoing Aaron from a different category. I think Senator Ron Johnson has a very bright future. If he decides, you know what, going the down this road that few will travel, is mm-hmm. this This is a place I can live. This I, is much more fulfilling. I, I'm hoping your answer is a good one. I'm going, oh, you Herschel Walker. I think he is the uh, the next senator from the uh, the state of Georgia, and th- there's almost nobody you could introduce me to in politics for the first time that I'm like, yeah, whatever, because I'm just I've met too many of these people, and frankly, I'm not impressed. But Herschel Walker, as a college football guy, I would be impressed by that. All right, Paul, you get the last word on this one. Yeah, Rachel, your answer hurt me deeply. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is out of her bleeping mind. So I'm going to go with my incoming mayor-elect of New York City, Eric Adams. I think he is exactly the type of Democrat who could win a competitive race in 2022, focuses on common-sense issues like crime, understands that Twitter isn't America, wants to do innovative things like make New York City the crypto capital of the country. He's the type of person that I could get behind as a Democrat, and he's my pick. All right. Who is destined, Paul, for political oblivion? From my lips to God's ears, it would have to be my current mayor, Bill de Blasio, the quasi-communist of New York City. Uh, Despite his record unpopularity, he has the complete lack of self-awareness to now want to run for governor of the state, which I think will end up exactly like his presidential run. Here in Iowa, he had a a town hall that elicited uh, six people to attend. So I think that's going to happen in New York State, and uh, hopefully I I can say goodbye to him for my life forever. I didn't know there were that many non-binary people in Iowa, but I guess we have that confirmed. We were wondering what the number was, Todd. Now we know it's, it's, and and symbolically, six, Mm. if you know what I'm saying. Todd, go ahead. Taiwan. Oh, dude. That's a cut-me-deep Shrek answer right there. Rachel, destined for political oblivion. Adam Kinzinger. He's, he's, Liz Cheney is at least going to be in the books after she's long gone this next cycle because of her dad. As Adam Kinzinger probably won't even get a job as a CNN contributor because he doesn't check enough diversity boxes. And I won't be sad to see him go. So I think nobody's going to remember him in about two and a half months. They turned around and redistricted him out of a seat. Did you see that? The Illinois State Legislature, they redistricted which, which, which him out of a seat. Which was such a dumb which was such a dumb move by the Dems. They should have just kept him around to troll us like that's he true. has been trolling us for the that, last year and a half. That's a good point. That's a good point. The only reason I'll push back on political oblivion for him is because he is without a doubt Jake Tapper's biggest man crush, so I think he'll find his way to <laughs> CNN. <laughs> okay, all right. What do you think, Aaron? Political oblivion? Uh, I think it's still going to be Christy Noam, despite the slightest mea culpa regarding uh, protecting uh, female uh, or w- women's sports, I should say, from uh, dudes in dresses. Um, I, I still think that she's destined for oblivion, unfortunately. I think the answer is Kamala Harris. Uh, she has no. She could be president next year. She has no discernible <laughs> political skill other than um, she just happens to be black while possessing a vagina. Uh, she's a talentless hack. She is beyond unlikable. Uh, she's unknowable. You can't like or dislike something you cannot know. All right. That's not a real human being. She's a construct of a construct. Uh, there's just not a real person of any level of, of molecular atomic level of sincerity there. I've never seen anything 
like this if you told me that we actually found out she's a chud, a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller, that she's a machine, um, she's a she's a she's a robot. I would completely believe it. See, I okay. I agree with that. I agree with that. I also think at the same time, simultaneously, we could wake up tomorrow morning and she's president. Then I will alter my answer. <laughs> the United States of America. All right, that that is my answer. All right, uh, best political theater, Aaron. Uh, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time every weeknight on Fox News. It's the best political theater, and as Paul said, yes, they're re-racking the same show year after year after year on Hannity, but it is still the best political theater. Doesn't mean it's good, it's just the best. And Lindsey Graham's on tonight to get to the bottom of it. Yep. Todd? Uh, The global uh, COVID protests, for for the sustainability, there's just more honest pathos going on there just by watching a large crowd walk by and saying i'm not being governed by this it's beautiful paul you know last year my answer for this was rudy giuliani's hair melting down his face during a live press (laughs) conference this year it has to be the fact that there were hundreds of people lining the streets in dallas texas awaiting the return of john f kennedy jr to reanoint donald trump president of the united states overlooking the fact that he's been dead for 22 years this way i've not heard of this this actually happened hundreds of people okay okay? so uh i don't know what to do with that so that's my best political I, i did not know that that event occurred oh it occurred it occurred rachel best political yeah, theater in addition to in addition to these uprisings in italy that in other european countries that todd mentioned i'm not on tiktok i'm not a big tiktok fan but i've been on tiktok seeing what some of the people in these quote-unquote uh internment camps in australia are doing those who are unvaccinated and seeing these little uh videos of resistance has really encouraged me to see that you know what not everybody is completely like todd said saying they're willing to be ruled by this so just getting encouragement, sadly, in a weird, twisted way, has been encouraging to see how people are in other countries are dealing with this, knowing that, that that may be us someday soon. I went with the Rittenhouse trial. I mean, I, mm-hmm. to me, it, it just, it had everything, man. Every, almost every side and angle of America's current culture war was live and televised and put on parade in vivid HD or UHD. Um, I, I mean, that, that's what I thought. Why I thought it was the best political theater of the year. So I thought the worst political theater, and I realized I could have come up with fifteen uh-huh. examples with this woman, but I had to go with Kamala Harris's space video with those kids. All right, in a year when there was so much of this to choose from, and just from her alone. All right, how about the fake surprise birthday party from Joe? Remember that surprise? Video? Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, the cringiest of the cringe, like cringe called and said, don't, don't tarnish me with that. Okay. Is the space video that she did with those kids. Wow. That's the scariest horror movie I saw this year. Todd. The side by side of the, the supply chain backup with the dude responsible of it with his husband on maternity leave posing for their photo op in a hospital bed. Neither one of you gave birth. That was like, turn out the lights. We do not deserve to exist. We'd be better off being a third world country. I'm moving to Haiti. Paul? Well, it was paternity leave, not maternity well, leave. Well, we don't want to assume pronouns. Yeah, I know. Yes, right. yes. All right. Okay. For me, it was 
Mike Lindell's Cyber Symporium. Those poor souls in South Dakota who trekked out for three days promised conclusive evidence of voter fraud were treated to incoherent rambling and essentially two days of my pillow advertisements. Worst political theater of the year. I do want to say I I own a my pillow. And it's a really good pillow. I'm not knocking the product. Yeah, it's I'm just a really knocking good pillow. I, I looked at getting some uh, my pillow slippers for Bella as a gag gift. They're yeah. like ninety bucks. Are they really? <laughs> yeah. Ate the game, not the player, bro. Yeah. All right, Rachel, what do you think? You don't have the right promo codes, Aaron. Nice. Well played. Um, yes. You know, I one one would think that seeing Katie Couric get a colonoscopy on the Today Show would be the worst of political theater you could ever get. <laughs> and then, and then this year, somebody thought it would be a good idea to have old man politicians roll up their sleeves, take off their jackets, and bare their flabby arms and get <laughs> shots every three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And so whomever thinks that live broadcasting of booster injections is good TV, it's not. So we need to get rid of that very quickly, and I'm quite sick of it. It's, reg- it's regularly scheduled programming at this point since we're doing it every three months. Especially when they're just taking taking in, it's a placebo with sugar water. I'm sorry. Placebo, did, I say, right. uh, did I go to you yet? I went to you. No. Yeah. You, I, I? you haven't gone to me yet. All right, Aaron, go um, ahead. Yes. All of your answers were really good. Mine, mine's not nearly as good. Worst political theater, pretending Republicans were actually willing to shut down the government a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's, yeah. Aaron, I'll go right back to you then. All right. Most underreported story of the year. The squalid conditions at the D.C. Gulag. Whether or not you think this is an insurrection that happened on January 6th. That's not how we do with this in America. Missing needed surgeries, urgent surgeries, uh, treating people uh, the way that they did. A, 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 a solitary confinement for long periods of time for what is their charged? Has, has anybody been charged with insurrection yet? The answer is no, actually. So uh, riddle me that one, Batman. Um, so that's not how we do things in America. It's the, it's the squalid conditions. It is really really uh, 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 in a number of ways like an actual gulag uh, from from what I've heard. That's because this is in America, Aaron. Yep. Paul? I, I actually wholeheartedly agree with Aaron on that point. It is entirely separate conversation from what transpired on January 6th, so uh, I think that's a very good point. For me, it is America's mental health crisis. You know, COVID gets all mm-hmm. the headlines, but the statistics on anxiety, depression, and suicide are, are terrifying. You know, one in four American teenagers is now considered depressed. Suicide hotline calls have spiked across the country, and it looks like most communities of color are actually getting impacted the worst. There's data out of Maryland that says there was a 94% increase in black community suicides during the lockdowns of last year. That That is horrifying and deserves a lot more attention. My wife works for one of the largest counseling clinics in the city, and... I mean, they're, they're turning kids away. Yeah. It, they, I mean, it's a large clinic. They've got numerous counselors there. They just don't have any appointments available for the, all the kids that have uh, issues and, and needs in that area. Todd, most underreported story of the year. Uh, vaccine safety. We just, it, it's amazing what they can ignore. The soccer players are dropping everywhere. Uh, they, they just don't care to report on that story. All right. What do you think, Rachel? Most underreported story of the year. 
Yeah, there were two deaths that happened uh, at the United States Capitol that nobody's talking about. I know Todd mentioned Ashley Babbitt earlier. There was another woman that, uh, that there that day that got beat uh, to a pulp and ultimately died uh, from a, yeah. a, a Capitol Police officer, Roseanne Boyland. Nobody's talking about her. Just a couple months later, though, in April, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Billy Evans, a Capitol Hill police officer, was killed. Uh, while standing on duty at the U.S. Capitol by a nation of Islam terrorists. That's right. And Forgot of about course, that story. All, yep. all of all of the Capitol Hill reporters were tweeting about it the second they found out who it was and the type of person that it was that killed uh, Mr. Billy Evans. You don't hear anything about it, and there isn't even a memorial there to this day. Mm-hmm. Great answer. I went with the mass protest happening nationwide in opposition to jab mandates. Uh, these things are larger and more frequent in scope than anything we saw with George Floyd last year. It's, I think it's probably the largest routine protest movement we have seen in Western civilization in the mass communications era to get virtually no media coverage from corporate mainstream media whatsoever. Most overreported story of the year. Rachel, I'll go back to you. I think it's COVID deaths. I know CNN has since taken down their their numbers, but you know, without any context to comorbidities or vaccine deaths, I think the number that we see in every single print story, it's like boilerplate language at this point. It's just, it, I, I'm over that one. Aaron? Um, it's actually COVID itself, because I was told that uh, somebody was going to shut the virus down and that the glorious vaccines were going to get us out of this mess. So... If we're still talking about it, obviously it's overreported because I was told uh, without a doubt those things would be, you know, true. I went with anything to do with climate. Like 15% of the nation's zip codes care about this. Nobody else does. And the amount of attention that it gets compared to the concern and care level of the average American, regardless, frankly, of how you voted, I, I just, it's, it's, it's way, way, way overboard. Paul, what about you? While equally tone-deaf to AOC's Tax the Rich dress photo op, this unfortunately got treated as a serious story. It has to be the Meghan Markle-Prince Harry interview with Oprah. That That was this year, too? That was this year. And I could not wait for people to stop talking about that because I I just don't understand why anyone in this country would care. I, I thought we had a revolution to settle whether we had to care about these sorts of matters, but apparently not. Todd? Anything having to do with whiteness. I like that answer. All right, let's go to biggest government waste. Paul, I'll let you start this one. It would have to be ordering the National Guard to stay outside the Capitol building for, what was it, three or four months yeah. after yeah. January 6th. They were forced to sleep on the ground in the dead of winter. Many of them got food poisoning because they were being given rancid food. I mean, the fact that our tax dollars paid for that level of disrespect to our our nation's service members is absolutely appalling and by far the biggest government waste of the year. Aaron? Um, I I think it's Pete Buttigieg's Buttigieg's salary. Um, Or maybe it's the best. Maybe it's the best. Is it a good (laughs) sign when you can't even tell if he's on the job or not? I don't know. Todd? Anthony Fauci, full stop. That's a good answer. Rachel? I feel like this is, the word waste is too trite of a word to describe this, but it's all of the uh, recent grant discoveries that we've made that uh, Fauci's NIH, Francis Collins' uh, NIH as well, has made in human trafficking baby parts uh, for humanizing mice experiments. I think it's not, it goes beyond any word in the English language to describe what our taxpayer dollars are paying for when we're paying for human trafficking of babies. Mm. 
Well, I don't know if I've got an answer as good as the last two of you had, but I went with Operation Warp Speed. Uh, to me, it turned out to develop a flawed at best, uh, dangerous at worst, non-vaccine vaccine that um, has waning efficacy at the first sign of any viral mutation variant resistance. Uh, and that's if it's not actually so leaky that it's making the variants worse. Uh, oh, and I didn't even mention side effects. Oh, and I didn't even mention that its success uh, ended up leading to the worst assaults on bodily autonomy in America in 150 years. Other than that, it has a wonderful singing voice. It worked out great. Um, so let's talk about Built Bar and get in a good mood again. I brought, I brought the eggnog sample for Paul. I'll have him try it later. We didn't get a chance to do it. I'm going to have him try it later see if he likes it because I gave it to Aaron and he loves it. If you love eggnog, you will love this. You'll love all of their flavors. Okay. Um, now I know for some of you, this is the, for the, for the very small percentage that are like, not my thing. I, I, it just was too chewy. That was kind of your thing, right? Yeah. Too chewy. All right. So here's a little secret. I put mine in the fridge. So they solidify and then I set them out to soften and then they're like perfect. So if that's a situation for you where you're, you're, you're so lazy, like Paul, chewing three or four times. It's just too much for you. He's a New Yorker. He's in a hurry. He has a time to chew. All right? For the rest of you that don't have to learn those little cheats or tricks, try the greatest protein bar of all time. Get 15% off when you go to Built.com. So many great flavors. Uh, I still haven't tried the new gingerbread yet, um, but uh, they got so many great flavors. The the marshmallow Built Bar puffs are not nearly as chewy, so that might be more your speed. Okay. All right. So go to built.com, B U I L T, for 15% off. The best protein bar of all time, loaded with flavor, loaded with chocolate, not loaded with carbs, calories, or sugar. Use the promo code DACE, D E A C E, to get that 15% off at built.com. We have one more segment to go. We'll see how many of these categories we get through. And then we'll spill the rest over to the overtime, whatever's left, when we return here in a moment. If you are thinking of getting involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times. Bing. Make sure you, I love the clips. Nice. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Make sure you do so with an agent that you can trust, which you will find at the website that just kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the company started by Glenn Beck and his associates because they kept running into real estate agents that you know, they couldn't trust. And then they didn't find out until it was too late. They don't want the same thing to happen to us. So just about anywhere you want to move to or from, if you're like Paul and realize I got to get the hell out of New York one day all right, and live somewhere free again. All right, if you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust that also has a fully vetted track record of success, head over to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Also, a quick little note, I was just given a heads up. So if you wonder why we only talk about Rumble on this show, all right, we just got a strike from YouTube for the uh, in, in, in interview we did with uh, Alex Berenson last February. No, this is the Peter McCullough. Oh, Peter McCullough. Interview. Okay, we said Berenson in the email. I apologize. That, okay. was, that was a previous strike. Oh, a pre yeah. That was the mm -hmm. previous strike. Okay, I misunderstood. All right, so the interview we just did with Peter McCullough. For those of you that don't know, he's one of the most decorated and cited cardiovascular surgeons on planet Earth, okay? Um, the interview we did with him got a strike from YouTube. So 
I mean, again, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. I don't know. Stop giving YouTube business. But secondly, you never know when the only opportunity you will have to access our content every day is directly from us. So take advantage of the discounted subscription available to you today and every day when you go to blazetv.com slash dace. We also produce exclusive content just for Blaze TV subscribers. All right. So you want to access to that. And then you want to make sure you get access to us before they ban it. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. I mean, look what's going on with Steven Crowder right now. All right, guys, he's got like 10 times the YouTube audience we have. They actually need his traffic, and they're jacking with him over stuff like this, all right? So BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Again, that's BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Get that discounted subscription today, all right? All right, let's get to it. Let's go rapid fire here in the final segment. Get through as many of these as we can. Best government money spent. Rachel, this should be a very short answer. Go ahead. DeSantis is $8 million to ship illegal to Delaware and Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> no, what a charming, right? Like if that was the smile, if, if, you, if you looked at, if you got Rachel on your dating profile and that was the smile, you're like, oh, I'm going to ask her out. She said right? that like she just baked yes, you cupcakes. Yes, but she's like, sending those illegals to Delaware. I just loved it. Yes. All right, Todd, go ahead. Anything that improved election integrity, no matter what happened with the actual Trump election, we need better election integrity going forward. Paul. I genuinely couldn't think of anything new, so I'll just give a generic answer. Our police and firefighters and the people who keep our streets safe. I used to make that my annual answer, and then I, was, then I became broken. <laughs> Aaron? Lunch and hotels for the uh, jury in Kenosha. <laughs> <laughs> that was appropriately snotty. Uh, I'm going to go with the weaponization of the FBI and the intelligence community as basically... Uh, a, you know, a political propaganda machine for the Democrats. I mean, it's totally un-American, but I respect it. Hate the game, not the player. Boldest political tactic, Aaron. Attempting to blame supply chain issues on a burgeoning economy while simultaneously claiming that the economy hasn't recovered because people are afraid of COVID. I like it. Todd. Uh, resetting papers, please, and midnight torch marches in Germany. I mean, bold strategy cotton. that is that is man and it, who knew they had hd footage in 1935 yeah. right and it's amazing all right paul Corey bush who in the same interview demanded we defund the police but then insisted she would be keeping her private security <laughs> no matter what yeah. bold <laughs> that's like movie line idiocracy kind of stuff except it's real yeah it's real uh boldest political tactic rachel go ahead just when, just when you think they can't get bolder, the gonads on McConnell and Cornyn coming out saying they're going to fight to uh, not do the debt ceiling and then invent a little trick they say is a one-time thing to basically fund the government to beat us up and hate us. That's good. I went with Kirsten Cinema just defying the spirit of the age in her own party, trolling them while doing it, okay, and then doing it with style. So that's why I went with her. Worst political scandal... And I'm going to say turning the January 6th detainees into North Korea style of political uh, prisoners. Todd? The pullout from Afghanistan. Yeah, that's a good answer, too. Rachel? Yeah, all of those are way better answers than mine. But I think what's disturbing to me, we're about ready to go into another Olympics, is all the men that have completely destroyed women's sports. I was a high school athlete. Uh, we saw what happened with the Penn guy, the New Zealand weightlifter. Women's sports is essentially dead now that we've allowed what we've allowed to happen. Yeah, I know, I know. Paul? 
It certainly wasn't the worst in terms of ramifications, but in terms of what bothered me the most, it had to be Larry Elder getting attacked in a gorilla suit by a white woman with eggs and the media blackout that followed in terms of not covering mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Aaron? Afghanistan. Yeah, good answer. All right, best idea. I'm going to start. I'll go with allowing Zack Snyder to come back and finish his magnum opus with Justice League. Um, it's one of the best films I saw this year, uh, and it's both epic uh, and accessible. And I think if they had not, uh, if, if the tragedy with his daughter, and if they, even if they delayed the movie for a year to let him recover for that, from that, rather than handed it off to Joss Whedon, a lot of what we've seen from Warner Brothers in the last five years would have turned out a lot differently. Todd? A little book called Fauci and Bargain. <laughs> Pretty good idea for Someone told me that the authors of that book are hot. Yeah, well. So I, I want to meet them one day. Rachel, go ahead. I really like the Peyton and Eli Monday Night Football stream on ESPN2. Yeah. I think that has revitalized my sports watching. Yeah. Paul? The Republicans choosing Tim Scott to give their State of the Union reply because it laid a trap to get the worst out of the Democrats in their reply. You saw Joy Reid label him Uncle Tim and the narrative of the uh, black person who doesn't know what's good for himself. Uh, they laid a trap and Democrats walked right into it. So I would say that. All right. That's a good one. I for- that was this year, too. I totally forgot about that. Aaron. Uh, mine is the same as uh, Rachel's best government dollar spent shipping illegal aliens from Florida to blue states. Worst idea. Aaron, I'll go back to you. Uh, let's see. Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 for That's the SEC. How did I not, that made nowhere on my sheet. How did I forget that one? Yeah. Uh, this Todd. is where I parked uh, Christy Gnome's implosion. Totally self-imposed. Just I, to- I went with those of us. Pardon me. Are you done? I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I went with those of us who thought uh, that uh, Jim Harbaugh, as Michigan football coach, was, was dead uh, and wrote the season off before it even began. That turned, off to be, turned out to be a pretty bad idea. Yeah. Rachel? Well, we're seeing that going on The View is increasingly a bad idea for people. We just saw what happened to Michelle Tafoya last mm-hmm. week, who I loved. Yeah. So if you want to get fired and you're awesome at your job, go on The View. I guess I can say it now that they've announced this is her final season. Michelle Tafoya, yeah. longtime Steve Day Show Twitter follower, by the mm-hmm. way, and has liked a lot of my tweets over the years. I've just never said anything because I, I didn't want to blow the poor gal up. Okay, But now that it's happened, I'll go ahead and throw that out there. Paul. This is my only COVID answer of the entire roundtable. It would be vaccine mandates. I think they have hardened opposition. They no have doubt made they have. people yep. more suspicious uh, through government coercion, and um, it's divided the country. Sorry to see you go. Paul, you wanted to take this one first? Sure. Over Thanksgiving week, I lost one of my very best friends in the world to cancer. Her name was... Bridget McElroy, she was an extremely dedicated New York City public school teacher who was only 35 years old. Bridget was, without question, the most compassionate, supportive, and intellectually stimulating person I had ever known. By nature, I'm a very private person, but I shared everything with her. And she had become my closest confidant because of her unbelievable capacity to genuinely care. And I actually have a story to illustrate that that I've never shared with anyone before. On July 15th, 2019, I was already on the Gabbard campaign. Uh, Tulsi called me that morning uh, and, to my shock, wanted to know if I would be interested in a promotion to serve as her campaign manager. 
And I was, of course, very flattered, but also forthright with her that I had never run a political campaign, so I would need to think about it and get back to her. Bridget was the very first person I called to share the news and help me process everything. Within hours, mind you, she had already been teaching summer school that day. She made the trek into Brooklyn with a tray of brownies that she somehow found time to bake, and then proceeded to sit with me as I binge-watched a four-hour Karl Rove masterclass on how to run a campaign. <laughs> and let me just tell you, Bridget was someone who adored Barack Obama, so four hours of Karl Rove That's was a not friend. exactly her idea yes. of a good time. Exactly. That just goes to show you how supportive and genuinely caring she was. During her cancer treatment, Bridget required multiple blood transfusions. Those transfusions literally extended her life by months. So if this Christmas you are wanting to be charitable without even needing to write a check, please consider donating blood. You will be giving someone the gift of life. It would mean the world to me and to Bridget, who was someone I loved very dearly and will miss every day for the rest of my life. That's very powerful, Amen. brother. Yeah. Amen. Thank you very much for sharing that. Todd, I'm going to make you go after that. The countries of Australia and New Zealand. Oh, my See gosh. See you later. Dude. Nice knowing you. I, I, I don't know if I can recover from that. That's a yo. Rachel, you go next. I think Rush. I think I miss him. I also miss Alex Trebek. I think mm -hmm. it was sad to see both of them go this year. Aaron? I had two names written down just in case it was forgotten, but Rush was one of them, and then Angelo Codvilla as well. Two names hugely influential on me. Rush early on and as a conservative and Codvilla the last few years, but platforms like this, none of these jobs, Rush um, would not exist without Rush. I mean, his success was more than just um, was more than just advancing an ideology. I mean, he created an industry. And there's just not too many people in any walk of life who can say that that's on their resume. So he's definitely on my list. And I want to throw Hank Aaron out there as well. One of the most important athletes in American history, one of the best. People forget. This is the only man in, in baseball history. He was a 25-time All-Star. 25 times he was an All-Star. He's the only player ever to average a 300 batting average or better uh, that also hit over 3,000 hits and 700 home runs. No one else has done this. He died in January, shortly after receiving the COVID vaccine. We don't have any still. It has been nearly a full calendar year. We have no official cause of death for Hammer and Hank. So I wanted to mention him, and I, I, I figured Rush would come up. That's why I didn't write out more. So I'm glad that he was mentioned, but... I mean, we're not doing this show and nobody's doing shows without Russia's, at least not on this side of the fence, without Russia's uh, success and, and, the, and the influence and the imprint that he leaves behind. 15 minutes of fame. Whose 15 minutes of fame is just about up? Paul. I am going to go with the platform TikTok. I think it is going to be the next Vine, aside from the security risks that we've been warned about in terms of Chinese government using it to spy on us. I happen to just think it's more of a feature than a unique platform, so I think TikTok will, will go away in the next few years. Aaron, whose 15 minutes is just about up? That's an interesting one, uh, it is, uh, it uh, Paul. Is. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Arizona audit... I, Hello. I I, have I you? totally forgot that was still yeah. going. Okay. Okay. Rachel. Paul's like, I told you guys. Rachel, go <laughs> ahead. 
I think they're labeling themselves or maybe people are labeling them the Trump turncoats. But I think some of my former colleagues, the Olivia Troys, the Alyssa Fairs of the world that are making a name and possibly a good salary trashing their old bosses, I think they're going to be just as useless to the left in about two months. And I hope that means that they're gone forever. Hmm. Todd, the libs of TikTok nut jobs. <laughs> TikTok will be there for a long time because of them, uh, and certainly libs of TikTok, but those nutjobs, they get on there. They actually film themselves having nervous breakdowns and thinking they found the stone tablets or something. They're the most bizarre creatures on the face of the earth. <laughs> I went with Newsmax, guys. I thought it began the year as a serious threat to Fox News. Uh, it ends the year risking a descent into complete self-parody. It is purging staff. It's imposing vaccine mandates. Um, essentially, imagine Fox News without Tucker Carlson. Okay, um, I mean, I, it. it I, I, this has been like Cuomo esque, watching its real time implosion over the course of one calendar year. What was the best spin of the year, Rachel? You know, when during the Afghanistan crisis, when we talked about Jim Psaki earlier, things were getting bad for her at the podium. And even Yamish, who is our taxpayer funded propagandist, like we pay her as, as Americans to lie to us, asked Jen Psaki, uh, do you think that President Biden made a mistake when he left Afghanistan? And she said, no, he didn't make a mistake. There were just expectations that didn't turn out. And I thought that was so brilliant that I've also in my life have used this several times. Yes, yes. It, but there was no better spin from the pulpit for pulpit, pulpit, uh, podium. Sorry, not pulpit. I, that's, no, I, I hear you. That was a Freudian slip. It's like I, I yeah. never I never forget about anything. I just don't remember in time. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to run that next contract negotiation to Tyler and Gaston. Hey, man, I don't know. <laughs> Numbers are down. You know, I mean, it's not that we've lost we've lost viewers. Just your some expectations here just haven't been met. Yes. Todd, the walls are going to come tumbling down. Paul Alexander, Rachel first. I'm the same. Jen Psaki. <laughs> no, listen to me, guys. Inflation is actually good, but when it is happening, it's also bad because the meat conglomerates are doing it. <laughs> True meat, facts. It's the meat conglomerates is the new T-shirt, right? Paul? I mean... Best spin? It's her best... It's her job to... Sp okay, I'm sorry. I'm All not right. going to go on that tirade <laughs> again. For this best spin, what do Sidney Powell, Rachel Maddow, and Tucker Carlson all have in common? Hmm. They have all used the same defense in court that no reasonable person would ever believe that they were being factual with what they were saying. To me, you can't get any, any bolder than that in terms of spin. Hmm. I went with all the positive reviews for that new Suicide Squad movie, which sucks. That movie sucks. All right. Uh, most my honest, best, my best spin blaming a product's failure on those who didn't use it. Oh, did I forget you? Yeah. Well, yours was actually the best. So say that again. <laughs> uh, blaming a product's failure on those yeah. who didn't use it. Is that the first time that's ever happened in American history? That's, well, that's that, what that I said. The people that, that don't my, use the product are the reason that it fails. Yeah. That was my answer for the greatest lie. We just had it in different places. All yeah. right. Let's see. We've got one, two, three. We only have like a hand, handful of things. Rachel, can you hang around and do a little bonus here over time yeah. to finish this list off? Yeah. Thank All you. All right, we'll do that. Because yeah. last year we had like, you know, oh, yeah. wasn't yeah. Hammer, Hammer here last yeah. year? Yeah. His fault. Blaming the lawyer. Yeah. He talked too much. All that All filibustering. Right? Yes. Okay. So like last year, this thing was like an hour. Yeah. This year, this is going to be like 15 minutes because that's, we only have like a few left. All right. So again, great time for you to be a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. The categories we have left include... 
uh, our New Year's resolution, our person of the year, our big prediction for next year. We're going to do that right now in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers because we're out of time. At blazetv.com slash days for the rest of you. Merry Christmas. We love you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We will see you again on January 10th. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.